Thanks very much for joining us. My name's Ian Stroud. And my name is David Malone. And this is Hyperland. David, how are you? I'm all right, mate. How are things with you over there in Mankey land? <laughs> it's hot, man. It's damn hot. Um, <laughs> I thought we could do a bit more of an update. We've had a, a, a well, a couple of questions about the financial issues that we've seen back in March in the States, Credit Suisse. We did an update. Um, yeah. And, and I think that there's been further information that's come out about the Silicon Valley, the takeover there, takeover, mm -hmm. the rescue, uh, Signature and the, the three banks that went down over there. Um, the FDIC have come out with a bit more information about who was actually banking there. It, it, I suppose for me it's the question of, like, who needs the help? If we're going to bail people out, who are we bailing out and why? But then yeah. the, the other issue was um, on Substack. We, we've got sort of two places where people can drop little questions to us one's hyperland on facebook and the other one is um substack and robin smith has been making quite a few comments about the mortgages and the connection he was a a, a bit miffed that mortgages weren't mentioned at all yeah yeah okay. so in any um, order mate <laughs> i'll sit back i've got a lovely cup of um a spicy or authentic indian tea here so I'll sip Marvelous. on that. You can take it away. I'll just do all the work while you... You enjoy yourself, mate. I don't want you to strain yourself. Um, all right. Look, um, I, I agree with you about um, the the question of the bondholders because mm. um, the same thing happened when um, Ireland bailed out its banks. You know, there was the, the 80 billion overnight, we're going to bail out everybody. Yeah. Um, which was against the law at the time it, it was you know, yeah the, the eu had said we don't do that and ireland just came out and did it yeah. which meant it was a race to the bottom meaning everyone else was sort of obliged to do the same thing otherwise it would have been right let's move all our banks to ireland because they're always going to bail <laughs> us out um and nobody knew who the bondholders were and then back whenever that was i forget which year i managed to get hold of a list of the bondholders and I then went through and tried to find out who were the beneficial owners because it's just a big long list of businesses. Yeah. Um, and it turned out that there were billionaires being bailed out. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing here that you sent me over. When did you get that thing? Is that Bloomberg? It, it was. It was I, I, I basically the FDIC, who are the Federal Deposits Insurance Corporations. They came out with the top depositors, I think Bloomberg requested it. So the top one, I think, Circle Internet Financial. Yeah, 3.3 billion. Well, I'll tell you what's the interesting one on that. Yeah. Altos Labs. Because you know who Altos Labs is? No, who's that? <laughs> uh, that's Jeff Bezos. No! <laughs> and he's, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's, Oh, he needs yeah, bailing out. short of a bob or two. Yeah, you've got to take care of old Jeff. Oh God! It just—if I had any hair, though, I'd be pulling it out, mate. I just—I just, well, I worry about him. I mean, you know, you know, he's a nice bloke, and I don't want him to be down on his luck. I'd hate to—I'd hate to, you know, be over there next year and find Jeff corner of the street with a little tin cup. So you know, <laughs> um, yeah, Altus Labs was what um, they set up. That's his. Um, I'm going to live forever lab. 
Right. It's it's oh. the this is all from memory, so I might get this slightly wrong. But as I remember, they raised something well over a billion. It was one of the most yeah. oversubscribed um offerings um to found this lab, which is going to find how we can all live much longer, basically, so yeah. that Jeff doesn't have to die, so he can carry on being rich for much, much, much longer. Yeah, well, that's what Altus Labs is. Yeah. But what is weird about that is those companies, especially the tech companies, mm. where do you raise 3.3 billion? And how does Altos Labs manage to raise, I mean, they've got 680.3 million just in it, in Silicon Valley Bank, and they've got more money than that. Where does that money come from? Yeah. What we all know is that there has been a, more than a decade now, uh, a decade and a half of what people call easy money, quantitative yeah, easing. So money. The, the central bank is lending out money on the taxpayer's tab yeah. at zero or close to zero percent interest rates. And so there's been an absolute ocean of cheap money, which is then going into those companies. Yeah. And then the bank that they're in goes under and we spend more taxpayer money yeah. bailing out the companies who might have lost the taxpayer money they already were given. In some ways, that goes back to kind of like, why is this magic 2% um, figure? Right, because it it doesn't make sense to me. And and, and I referred I don't to... Think it makes sense to anyone. But, well, I referred to um, Jay Powell. He was asked it on Capital Hill, why this 2%? Why can't it be 3%? And he just went, well, that's that's it. And, and I think that's goes back to part of the acceptance of well this is the machine this is where did you want us to put the steering wheel in the boot yeah yeah it, it is the machine but what it kills me though i mean it just utterly kills me that we're bailing out tech businesses so they don't lose money <laughs> who's using money? public yeah. funds to do it yeah. and the money that they might have lost essentially was public funds that we gave them to start with yes yeah i mean it's just appalling yeah i mean yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, if you've got nothing more to add about that, about more doom and destruction, um, what about Robin's um, question about that he was surprised that we didn't talk well, about Well, yeah, I mean, I, it's, I think his points were really interesting. I mean, the centre, as I understood his comments, um, and, you know, I wrote back to him on Substack, is mm. basically what he's pointing out is that when we say we're bailing out, the banks. I think Robin's objecting to the what he feels is a is a slight um, protecting ourselves from having to admit anything to ourselves that we're not just bailing out the banks. We're also bailing out the homeowners. Yeah, yeah. No, I, he, I, 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 I'm just going to interrupt you there because I think it's this week that Hans, protector of us all, um, he's gone along to the banks and and on our behalf. He's asked the banks to be nice to us. Well, golly gee willikers, thanks. So he's gone along to the banks and said, now you chaps, the people that we bailed out of your own stupidity about half a dozen times since 2008. Yeah. Would you mind if I asked really nicely, could you just be a little bit nice to the people who gave you all that money? 
But then the argument, the, the argument there is is what you were alluding to, which is okay. That and, and Robin is sort of saying, well, that's your mortgage, that's your homeowners. What about people who rent? What about people that yeah. don't have a mortgage? And and again, this is our this is taxpayers' money. I mean, if you're a taxpayer and you don't pay a mortgage, well, you'd kind of be sitting there going, well, why are you helping them out? You're not helping me out. Yeah. Well, it's what is interesting about Robin's comment is that I was incensed that we were bailing out the banks because we didn't need to. We needed banks. We didn't need those particular banks. You're, you're talking about most, 2008. Yeah. 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 Or, or, or 12 or, you know, pick a, pick a <laughs> 23. Year. I've, I've <laughs> lost track of the number of bailouts and, and even the ones that we didn't, didn't really make it to the, headlines like 2019 uh-huh. um so I, I felt that was appalling and still feel it's appalling and felt it was a, a political sleight of hand that it was passed off to be something it wasn't like you know we must do this because otherwise we'll all end up in yeah. the, living in the ditch with poo on our heads which was never going to be true Aye. um I, I, i've never talked to a banker who tried to pretend that that was true that just wasn't and you know the 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 ATM machines were not going to suddenly be empty. But is right that you are also bailing out the people who had a mortgage. What I would say, though, is there were a lot of people, more in America than than the UK, certainly, who did lose their their houses. Mm. And the people amongst homeowners who lost them weren't just the, the, you know, the ones that made it into the headlines, like, you know, I think it was in the the big short where he discovers that s- s- strippers have been given four mortgages for four different, you know, they're 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 becoming property, you know, moguls, uh-huh. and they. Most of the people who lost their houses weren't those people. There were the the the, the people who you think they were yeah. just on the make and they were helped by some shady person in the bank. There were those people, of course. But there were also people who, because I met them, I was I was there making the film High Anxieties at the time. So yeah. I was, you know, in Cleveland and other places. And most of the people who lost their houses were working class people who had got a little family house, was nothing to shout about, and they could just about pay for it yeah. with working at um, the local garage. And a lot of them were first-time buyers, people who had just about saved up enough money and got their first mortgage. Yeah. And, you know, anyone who's bought a house in their life, that first house is a nail-biter because you've only just got the deposit and, you know, you're early on in your career and it's nerve-wracking. And yeah. so the lots of people's lives were, if not utterly ruined, certainly had chopped off at the knees mm. and 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 I think it was a dreadful thing and it wasn't that they knowingly took on loans that they knew they couldn't afford they went to professionals in banks and said yeah. can I afford this and they said yeah of course you can and here's how yeah so I don't accept that it's a 50 50 thing I just don't accept that and the well, misery that was heaped on people was appalling yeah appalling. I, I I I had a mortgage in when was it the interest rates at the highest I mean that was tough and every time I've taken out a mortgage I've gone yeah 
Um, mm. I've, 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 the, the last one, I was encouraged to, you know, take more or take it over a shorter period. But I was looking at the, the interest rate at the time and I was looking at my payment at the time and I went, I need to cover myself. Now, the only way I was thinking along those lines was because I'd been through it before. Yeah, so if, yeah. if if I'd been 10, 20 years younger, I, I like you like you were saying, we, we've had 10, 15 years of, of zero interest, free money. It's yeah. like, you know, borrow yeah. more. Um, yeah. Well, and this is where Robin is right. So the bailing out the banks, I think, was a, a politically motivated, financially ridiculous thing to do. And still is. And still is still ongoing and the people it protected were the super wealthy well they're, they're the most most people would not have lost their money most people would yeah. have not lost their mortgage i mean look silicon valley went, bank just went down um lots of banks went down when a bank goes down you don't they don't come and take your house away no your mortgage gets sold that, on or, that, or bought that, by yeah, yeah yeah you signed a mortgage with bank x bank x goes under and bank, bank y, comes y along buys it and now it. your agreement is with bank y yeah yeah okay so you don't lose your house you lose your house from the political machinations that go around the incident not yeah. from the fact that the bank went down um and you're not going to lose anything in your savings account unless you're got more than eighty thousand quid in your bank account uh -huh. and i don't know anyone who has that yeah so where robin i think is entirely right is you and it's what you said earlier which is okay you've helped the people who have a mortgage but what about the people who don't have a mortgage but were renting and um rent prices shoot up as um more people lose their houses and need to rent yeah and that you know the the general destruction wrought upon the economy means that you know people lose their jobs and there's no pay raises and all the rest of it you know it's what we talked about the last time that it was the bailout cost us 1.4 trillion immediately yeah. and is now cost us well north of over 3 trillion according to the bank of england's own figures yeah and the one group that we've helped are the mortgage holders and the people amongst the mortgage holders we've helped the most are the people who were not right at the bottom so and also um, at the same time, though, David, it, it helps the mortgage holders, but equally it's helping the banks and the, the building societies as well, it's, who, who are the it's other side them. of that equation. But then the knock-on effect, which which Robin alluded to, which is, which is right, is that you had a housing bubble, yeah. and we have had massive house inflation. Yeah. I mean, when we've said, when they talk about you know inflation rates, we, we've had absolutely colossal inflation but in one asset class housing yeah and when you then bail out the banks that prevents that bubble from bursting but also when you bail out some of the mortgage holders that that's the other part of not bursting that bubble so what's the knock-on effect it, the knock-on effect is two things one you trap the next generation in a situation where they'll never be able to buy a house, they'll always have to rent because the the inflation in the in housing is so extreme yeah. that they can't get on, and their parents who own these massively inflated um, houses, it's their children who can't get on the housing market, 
But if that, if as has happened, certainly in this country and in others, that that inflation, house price inflation happens at the same time that you begin to dismantle parts of the welfare state, then people look at that house and say, look, this is my only asset and I'm going to need this for when I retire because the state pension is, it will buy you a, you know, a rubber stamp a week. You know, it could get you a cup of tea and a donut. That's about what it'll pay for. So how am I going to survive? And so they don't want the house prices to go down, even though they know that it prices their children out of the market. Of course, the one set of children it doesn't price out of the market are the really wealthy, who are also the people who own most of the assets that were what were actually saved by bailing out the banks. So we saved them by bailing out the banks, and they're the people who are going to benefit the most from the inflation in house prices. So they benefit doubly. The people at the bottom got screwed because yeah. they, they did lose their house. And the people in the middle-ish are getting screwed, but more slowly because, yeah, they've the housing bubble didn't burst. So the house that they mortgaged themselves four times their earning capacity to buy is going to retain its inflated value, but their children can't get a house and they're going to spend most of that money looking after with their own retirement. Yeah. And so we're, we've constructed this system where everyone's trapped in it. Yeah. Robin's point is we need to look at that because he just wants us to pay more attention, I think, rightly to the fact that we're trapped in it as as a society because a big chunk of of people really can't afford or really don't want that the value of their house to go down because they think it's my only asset. Yeah. And yet they're also conflicted because their their children can't get a mortgage and the financial system is becoming more and more unstable. Yeah. Witness, you know, that we're now bailing out depositors so they don't lose money that was money from a previous bailout. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, do, I, I mean, it's a it's a cracker's system, and we are we're politically stuck in it because no political party, what political party is going to say, look, vote for us, and what we're going to do is we're going to deflate the housing bubble, even if they said we're going to do it carefully, we're going it's going to be like a a controlled demolition. Yeah. Well, but that's what has to happen. Something if we down. if we don't, you know the system will become more and more unstable, more and more crashes, bigger and bigger crashes. Yeah. And that's, that, that's built in. That logic is absolutely baked in. I do like Robin's, just the way that the perspective that sometimes we need to step back and look at things upside down. Um, I'll give you an example. Like HS2 has always been sold as a quicker way to get to London. <laughs> like we all want to go there. But I've always, always seen it almost as the complete reverse. That I've got friends who live in London, they rent. I just, they're never going to buy. Um, once you finish work, you're relying on a pension. You are mm-hmm. totally trapped, as as you were saying. And I, but going back to HS2, I've always seen it. It's, it's kind of a way of the people that own houses in London to sort of say you know, the little person who serves me coffee, the teachers, the nurses, the people that aren't on extravagant wages, it's a way of sort of saying, well, 
see, we've got these fast trains now. You don't have to live in London. You can move up to Birmingham. You can come down and do your service us, and then you can go back home. Bugger off. I don't know. I, I, it's just... There is something to that, I it, think. Yeah. It's just that flip side, and I've always seen it that way. It's kind of like, well, why does everyone want to rush to London? Yeah, well, I think that's true. I mean, um, and I mean, again, to, to go back to... Um, the points that Robin was raising, that sort of different perspective. You you then have to look at who has really had to pay for bailing out the banks. It's we bailed out the banks and we also, you know, agree with Robin that we we bailed out the homeowners. But we all pay for that. So the people who own banks, the people who own the financial um capital that um, you know, the the top 10% own most, I think in this country, top 10% own over 50% of the wealth in oh, America. I mean, it, it's, it's the top stupid. 5%. It's stupid. You no, know, the top 10% own 80% in America. It's much, much worse. Yeah. Um, that Those are the people we saved. Plus, in order to for them to have the political backing for them to be saved, it's, isn't it interesting that they also managed to make life slightly easier for that part of the middle class and the upper working class who managed to get a home? So they've said, OK, if you help us to protect this system, which yeah. the system which has completely protected us and makes us the Jeff Bezoses of the world. Yeah. Um, but we'll bribe you because we'll also get the banks to be nice to you for for a a year so yeah. you won't lose your house this is like leveling up and yeah <laughs> and then who's going to pay for it everyone yeah so I, I think it's the interesting. billionaires are bailed out yeah some of the house owners are bailed out but everyone is going to pay for it you're going to pay for it through closing schools through um closing hospitals through wage restraint uh through closing all the public services yeah so it is a massive transfer of wealth yeah. through the bailouts to protect the most wealthy with a bribe to the middle class homeowners because you will get helped out too. And that is yeah. the shape of the political system we're living in, and it's rotten to the core. I think it's interesting that your way of describing it is is these people got bailed out the other thing as well is it wasn't just them being bailed out but it was it was keeping that system going it yeah. was it was plastering over the the failures uh, that we've got in some places it was it's actually keeping that going so it can carry on so it's yes, not just yeah. sort of saying, uh, saying and, right, we'll save you and you'll get more money, but it's actually like, yeah, and we'll save the system that has led to us all being in this position of failure that we need to bail you out that yeah, the cycle goes on. Yeah, and unfortunately, I, I, I'm, excuse me of being horribly cynical, but you know, certainly in this country, um, you know, everyone says we must get the Tories out if you don't like that kind of politics, and I don't. I don't. I don't like them. And but generally, the Labour Party hasn't done anything significantly different, mainly because they accept the general world view, the the set of financial world assumptions of the Tory Party. 
Well, you, can, so you can't go against the banks. You can't go against uh, big companies. I mean, you can try and niggle you away. They're going to have to. Yeah. I mean, you, know, you know, you can say you can't make the companies pay more taxes because they'll just go somewhere else. Well, this is true. So there are ways in which you can yeah. make companies pay more taxes. You can make them pay tax on sales rather than profits, which yeah. sounds, and, you know, Sometimes when you say that to people, they go, oh, that's completely crazy. Well, actually, it's not. It can be done. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, we will vote the Tories out to get Tory light in. And I agree. I mean, I've said this to people and they said, yeah, but, you know, we can't afford the damage that's being done to people's lives. And I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. So, yeah, do I would like, would I, given my particular politics, like the Tories out? Yes, I would. But when I step back from that, I think, but how does the the whole system survive? And I think the way it survives is we have the Tories, they transfer wealth from the poor to the wealthy as fast as they can. Every now and again, there's a bit of the pressure, political pressure builds up. Yeah. So the other part of the system kicks in, which is the, the presser release valve, and that's called the Labour Party. Yeah. And the pressure release valve gets brought in, goes... Nothing really changes. The engine's still, you know, the whole machine is still running, but we've let we've we've reduced the the little the little <laughs> level that's gone up to the red now goes back down. But then, but then... <laughs> and the system carries on. So are you when you vote for the Labour Party, as it is at the moment, is this the first blow to replacing the system? No, I think it's absolutely part and parcel of what keeps no. the system going. No, that, 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 I, I can I, I can't project forward, but um, but in terms of Labour will come in and they'll fix a few things, and then the Conservatives will come in and go, oh, we're skint. They've spent all the money again. Um, that that I've always sort of felt that until um, my simplistic terms of economics is there's a there's a there's a an amount of money that's raised through taxes until somebody actually increases that to pay for the things if you want them to be paid for like the nhs and stuff like that that's the only that's the change unless you know spending a little bit extra on on your duck pond and things it's not making a big difference you know um who was the last person that said they were going to put tax up by a penny in the pound <laughs> yes okay and, and what happened then yeah, we saw what happened there. Well, you know, then that's a sure sign that the political system is now completely subservient to the unelected financial system. Well, um, yeah. that in itself is a problem. But also that whole idea of, you know, we can only spend the money we've raised in taxes. That is according to one philosophical view of how money works. If you look at positive money or MMT, and I'm not saying that that I support them wholly or that they're completely right, but I don't think they're completely wrong either. Yeah. And even if you think they're not right, there we we have to get beyond the, our present view of how governments spend money and how money works. And I think the view we have at the moment, we just without thinking about it, inherited from the Victorians. Yeah. Um, and they weren't right. It's not really that simple. Um, but we are, I think, now at the point where unless we are willing to entertain some truly radical departures from the perceived wisdom of the last century, unless we're willing to entertain some radical departures, 
we will carry on being impoverished. And certainly this country will just turn into what used to be called a third world country. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, And on Robin. that cheery note... Yeah, thanks, Robin, for the, your question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think if anyone's just listening to this and they haven't already heard the Financial Crisis 2023 and the Ugly Sisters, which was an update on the banking insurers and pensions, um, go and have a listen to those. It would be really interesting if you want to go onto Facebook Hyperland or go along to David Malone's Substack Hyperland um, and drop us any questions you've got, any thoughts you've got, and uh, if you can follow and like us and things like that, that would be fantastic. I think it does something to the algorithms that (laughs) make us easier to find. The algorithms that rule our lives. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, David, have a lovely holiday, mate. I hope yeah, Filey's kind to you. Cheers, mate. Cheers, buddy.